Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Okay, Galatians chapter number one, a very, very important epistle in the scriptures. It helps us to really understand grace, the grace of Christ, as opposed to rules, commands, law-keeping, legalism. So we're going to be understanding all of that as we go through this, this epistle. Let's start reading at verse number 6. We're going to read three verses of Scripture together. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's very, very strong language that Paul is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But it says, uh, I marvel. He's, he's absolutely astonished. You know, when someone says something silly, what do we say today? What? What? Or the new thing is, really? Like, really? <laughs> Paul's here. I, he's just, I marvel. I'm absolutely astonished. He's saying, huh? He can't believe it. Grace, he preached this to them. Now they're going backwards. And here's three reasons we'll see in the Scriptures why Paul says, I marvel. The first reason is, we see it in the text, it says, so soon removed. He's marveling because it's happening so quickly. He says, let me get this straight. I witness unto you guys. I preached you the gospel of grace. And now this quick, you're going back and embracing another gospel? And this, what's happening to these Galatians is the same thing that happens to people from then till now. We just really are like wax. <laughs> and we, do, we need to be careful. Because these Galatians people... We, we learned earlier when we did the introduction to this that they're, they're kind of a fickle people. They're kind of a go-with-the-flow type of people. But we have to be careful we're not like wax and a wax mold where whatever the group is doing, we just blend into that, just like a piece of wax would mold. We go, we, we, we go to another town, we'll just blend right in. Someone else comes in, they're going to preach something different. Well, we don't want to offend them or bring anything up or cause them to not like us. So we'll just mold and just wax mold ourselves. And these Galatians and pe these Galatian people, it's almost like they're just ready to take the wax impression of anything. We have to be careful of that. The other thing in the heart of man is he's continuously curious and continuously discontent. Now these things are easy to preach. They're not easy to live. Because all of us, if we were to let our minds think about these things, that's us. 
in some way, shape, or form, that's me. Something pleases you for a short time. Don't count on it pleasing you for a long time. You'll soon need something new. It wasn't long before I bought my first tractor that I realized it, you know, you buy a subcontract tractor because those are the big things now. Because if you don't have a real big farm, you don't need a big ag tractor. You need something that, but you need something a little more powerful than a mower. So you get these subcompact tractors. Well, it's not long before I bought that that I realized the subcompact tractors really, you can flip them. You can flip them pretty easy. It wasn't but a short time I was satisfied. Before I knew I needed to research, the, you know, the other one that it'll, it'll stay on the ground no matter the pitch of the hill and, and they're out there. Now, I didn't buy one, but the point of the matter is I was satisfied for a short time, but I wasn't satisfied for a long time. We always need something new. So Paul, he's letting them have it because number one, they're just quickly just removed from what he just taught them. Number two, Look what it says in verse 6. I marvel that you're so soon removed. Now here it is. From Him that called you into, mark this down, grace of Christ. People say there's no loyalty today. But there's always been people with no loyalty. The centrality of the Gospel and the entirety of the Gospel is summed up in these three words. Grace of Christ. How do you know if you have the grace of Christ? Well, here's the test I'll give you so that you know you've got the true Gospel. Number one, does it center around grace? Specifically the grace of Christ and not works. Paul's a better man than me. He's a better man than you. He's a better man than probably every minister in this town or state. It kind of doesn't even matter how good the preacher is because if people don't want to listen, they're not going to listen. It's Paul. Why wouldn't they listen to Paul? But they're going right back into formalism, law-keeping, commandments for salvation. It can't center around earning salvation, paying for salvation, meriting salvation, or I'm so great I deserve it. All of that is a false gospel because it's not by God's grace. Salvation, it is not a prize that you win because you've merited something. It's not a good boy or a little girl reward. Get Romans chapter 5. I want you to just kind of draw back a bit and think on the means of how salvation can be secured. Romans chapter 5. We're just going to read some Scripture. Verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For it through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God. And the gift by grace 
which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned. So was the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For, as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, that's Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. You can't make yourself righteous. You're made that by Him. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. You didn't keep the law. It just entered and you saw how bad you were. But where sin abounded, Look at this. Grace did much more abound. There's nothing in here about working off your sins. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Who is this Jesus? He's grace. Grace. And he offers a free gift. Now, you got to be careful when you say free gift nowadays. Because if you go on the internet or if you read an advertisement or if you watch an infomercial, everybody has a free gift for you. The, but the free gift has an attachment. Give me your email. Give me 1995. I'll give you a trial. But on the end of that, there's a hook. They're hooking you with a string attached for a free gift. That's not the gift that's freely offered. So maybe that, at least for the sake of splitting the hair on this, this is not a free gift with strings attached. This is a gift freely offered with no strings attached. That's grace. These Galatians are going backwards. Does it center around the grace of Christ? Grace is gentle. No yoke of bondage. You came out of that. Grace is redemptive. It's not demanding of rules. You do this and you're right. You follow this and you're accepted. There's an expectation in the Bible for all of us to want to obey what God says, but it is not a requirement for salvation, nor will you lose the salvation if you don't follow what God says. You will just reap what you sow. Why do you want your kids to obey? So that when they grow up, they make the right decisions on their own. It's about getting them to want to do it, not forcing them to do it. Now, we all know until they become older, you basically force them what to do. No, sit down and shut up. <laughs> No, zip it and clean your room. <laughs> no, we're not going there. No, we're not doing that. No, leave your sister alone. Stop punching them in the nose. Don't we do that 
as parents? Don't we do that as employees? No, you need to be at work at 8 o'clock. Well, it's 8.15. Isn't that close enough? No, you're fired. You need to force people to do things. But that's not what salvation is. People say, I just can't understand how someone can be a Christian and live that way. Me neither. Guess what? God can't understand the way you live either. It's not about living right to keep or earn salvation. It's completely by grace. When you wrap your mind around the grace of God and what He saved you out of, the natural outflowing should be, you know what, I just want to live for God. Not I have to live for God. Because you don't. Oh, so we go to the... um, We hiked the falls yesterday. And at Cummins, you know, they have the sign by a string, you know, do not pass. Because the one place, it's closed off because of the high water. Now, of course... One of, one of our lovely sinful creatures, a.k.a. children, crossed the line. I'm not going to tell you who because you probably already figured it out. It's not hard. And I, so I said to him something to the effect of, oh, you see what happened? Well, what, Dad? Nothing. <laughs> God didn't strike you dead, and I didn't strike you dead. If you want to disobey God, you can. He's not going to swallow you up. He's not going to strike you down with lightning. You can do whatever you want to do. And if there's a line and it says don't cross, if you want to cross it, go ahead and cross it. <laughs> the ranger is giving you advice and it's up to you to either heed that advice or not. Now what do we have to do as parents? Whoa, 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 don't do that. I mean, we got to force them. We're responsible for them. But there's going to come a day when they're going to be responsible for themselves and no longer is it going to be standing at the door with a pair of steep steps and saying to your 30-year-old, well, be careful, the steps are steep. We don't do that. It's up to you if you want to just dive head first. But you don't do that with a two-year-old. You restrain him. You force him. God's grace isn't going to be forced upon anyone. You're either going to receive the gift freely or you're not. Grace gives you the freedom to live a holy life in Christ not because you have to. You have the freedom to live a holy life in Christ because you want to. There's no dependence on formalism or strictly following external forms. Let me give you an example. We just did the Lord's Supper. It's not. We don't need to set to a set form. God gave us the example in the Bible, but what did we do? We, we read congregationally in the Lord's Supper. We read responsively. You read a verse, I read a verse. and, and that We've done it where someone else would just read a verse. I would read a verse. There's, quite, there's no strict formalism that says, okay, this is it. Anybody that doesn't do it this way ain't right. This is, this is grace. This is grace. And we have to understand this. We don't understand the gospel and the essence of Christianity. The unique character of grace is the only remedy for sin. It's the dead soul coming into contact with the living Savior. Everybody else is dead. Hare Krishna, Vishnu, the Bhagavatali or whatever they call him in, in, in Hinduism. I don't even have it right. The, the Muhammad, 
all of these guys are dead. The Buddha, he's dead. And they didn't resurrect themselves. Jesus is the only Savior that resurrected Himself. The other thing to test is to make sure it doesn't confuse the grace of God. And this is what the Galatians are specifically falling into. Let's go back to Galatians and let's read verse number number 3. Galatians 1 verse 3, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and of our Father. Grace, you're justified by grace, you're sanctified by grace, and you're glorified by grace. And we preached this last week, last Sunday or the Sunday before, so we're not going to go over it in detail, but people get saved by grace and then they think they're sanctified by works. Yeah, they're saved and all of a sudden now they put a three-piece on, came to church, and they just sanctified themselves because of the way they dress. It don't work that way. You're sanctified the same way you're saved, by God's grace. His Spirit indwelling in you, guiding you, and you give all the glory to God. Because in your flesh, you will choose wrong. In your flesh, you will choose right with the wrong motive so that nobody really knows you chose wrong. That's what we do. We are not sanctified by the way we live outwardly. We are sanctified by God's grace. And it should outpour in how we live. We can't flip it on its head. Our goodness adds nothing to our sanctification. Just like our goodness adds nothing to our salvation. Are you saying we should live any way we want? No, because the Bible doesn't say that. But to say that you in your own flesh are going to live a certain way and sanctify yourself before God, you're just fooled. It doesn't work that way. Number three, the test for grace, is it a con job concerning sin? Does it gloss over sin? Does it not touch sin? Does it downplay the reality of sin? And does it fail to deal with it in a real way? Here's Christianity 101. People don't get this at the megachurch, so you have to give them at these small churches nowadays. Christ died for your sins. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. You do bad things because you are inherently bad, evil, and wrong and an enemy of God. And we are not inherently good. doesn't matter what Peter Pan says. Don't let your conscience be your guide. Let God be your guide. Let the Holy Spirit be your guide. And then your conscience will bear witness to the fact that, whoa, when you see the law, you're like, good night. I'm just, I need a Savior. Sin. Wherefore is by one man sin entered in the world? That's the problem. And death by sin. That's why we die, because of sin. And so death passed upon all men. There's your name, there's my name. For that all have sinned. Our problem is sin. It's sin. It's sin. Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? Why do our kids do what they do? Why do the in-laws and outlaws do what they do? Why does the neighbor do what he or she does? Sin. It's sin. So, look what we've got now. Let's get back to Galatians. Paul says, I marvel 
He can't believe it's happening so quickly. And then he says, you're so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ. So they mess up grace and the grace of Christ. And then it says, unto another gospel, which is not another. Well, how can it be another gospel? And then it says it's not another. You found something that's almost the same. Almost. You know, ladies, when they shop for bags or clothes or jewelry, whatever it is they shop for, shoes or boots or, you know, they, they buy the imitation because it's cheaper. It's a ripoff of whatever the name brand is. But it ain't the name brand. It might come from the same factory in China, but it's not the, the logo that... You, you're picking up what I'm putting down. It's, a, it's an imitation. It's a cheap imitation. And that's what's happened here. They've got another gospel that's almost the same, but it's not. And you think you've got some value because it's almost the same. But you have something completely different. Meaning, we are not on the same page. And Paul's trying to help them get it. Now, if you go to Burger King, you might get a flame-broiled burger that's real. If you go to McDonald's, probably not going to get anything in there that's a burger. They're similar. You can get away with that with burgers. It'll work. But Paul is greatly concerned because millions of people around this world today and back in Paul's day, they're missing it. Because it's so much more important. This is your soul. And you can't suffer the grace of God. It almost looks the same, but it's not. Well, that's why he's so concerned. Paul says, you've got another gospel, all right, but it's not another gospel. It doesn't have the same value eternally, and it doesn't have the same quality. So therefore, that other gospel is completely false. I've got the real one. You've got another one. It might have some similarities, but it does not compare in value and quality. It's completely different, meaning it's completely false. Now, a couple of passages of Scripture I want you to read. Get 1 Corinthians. Romans 1. Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 15. Let's do 1 Corinthians 15 first. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll, we'll start reading at verse number 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. Galatians 1, verse number 4. I'm sorry, Romans 1, and we'll be verse number 16. Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Doesn't say anything about everyone that does enough good works, works it off, merits enough, is my friend. Everyone that believeth. Now back to Galatians. Now 
Bible says Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Save sinners. Galatians 1, we back up to verse 4, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world. Something similar, but it's not. You know what we call that? Deception. That's how deception works. This is how little children are deceived. And this is how adults are deceived. By deception. Looks good, smells good, feels good, tastes good. But it might not be good. How are you going to get these guys to get rid of the gospel of grace? Well, if you can give them something to do that would make them feel good about themselves, and kind of separate them from other people? Do you see how that causes a little bit of a rise in pride in the heart of mankind? All you got to do is give man something to do that would allow him to feel like he's upped on somebody else. And there he is. He's Mr. Spiritual or he's Mrs. Spiritual. And that's what these Galatians are being brought into. And Paul's got to bring them back and say, fellas, you're not. You're not helping. All right, get back to Galatians 1 because we want to, why is this happening? Why have they become disloyal to the gospel of the grace of Christ? And here's the problem. Galatians chapter 1, verse 7. He says, which is not another. We went over that, but, there, but here it is. But there would be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Go back to Acts 15. Because you got troublemakers here. Some have showed up and they're, they're basically stirring the pot. How do they do that? They agitate your thoughts. They disturb your mind. And what that does is it puts confusion in motion and then there it goes. But Acts chapter 15, verse 24 here it is. For as much as we have heard, that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words. This happened in an Acts. Subverting your souls. And here's what they're saying. You must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord. They want people to be circumcised and they want people to keep the law. And it's the same thing that's happening in Acts. And they're getting confused because they think that getting circumcised is going to make them saved and make them right with God. It's not going to happen today and it's not going to happen then. People think, Better get baptized. You ain't baptized, you ain't saved. You got to be in the water. I mean, you can get hooked on that. People sincerely believe it. They got verses they're going to go to. They'll rest the scriptures to their own destruction and to yours. But somebody tells you, you got to be baptized. I'm saved by God's grace, man. I trusted Christ on the cross and what he did for me. Yeah, but did you get baptized? Well, 
No, I just got saved last week. Well, well you, you better get in the water, man. Here, let me show you some things. And these Judaizers and Galatians are doing the same thing. You didn't hear about Moses' circumcision? You didn't hear about the law of Moses? Oh, man. If your kid ain't circumcised, you ain't right. <laughs> Nothing's changed. It's the same thing going on then. It's going on today. And then we have, there would be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. You always have perverts in the church. <laughs> There's perverts all around. And these guys are perverting the truth. It means to turn from truth, to turn from the proper purpose. People pervert God's Word all the time. Let's look at two things. The first time this is mentioned, go back to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 16. All the way back to the Old Testament. And then get Acts. Keep your finger in Galatians, but get Acts 13. We'll look at the first time it's mentioned in the Old Testament and the first time it's mentioned in the New Testament. By the way, the gospel of the grace of Christ is the only way man can be saved. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse number 19. The Bible says, Thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift. For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. This is why you got to be careful of taking gifts. This is why judges don't take gifts. Because if I go in and give a gift to a judge, well, if I end up in the courtroom a month later, my gift to him might pervert his thoughts and his ways. So they typically don't take gifts. By the way, this is why some pastors don't like to take gifts. <laughs> because they don't want to put themselves in a situation where, oh, the big giver. It's why I don't want to know who gives what. I don't look. I don't want to know. Because... I don't want to be, oh, that's the big giver of the church. We might not want to offend him. Let's offend everybody. <laughs> big and small, men and women alike. Because you don't want to be biased. You don't want to be biased. You know, a little boy brings a little apple into the class, wants to be the teacher's pet because he didn't do his homework. Too bad, apple ain't going to buy you out. What do we see in the Old Testament? The first time that that word is mentioned, it has to do with, our judgment is blinded. Our words can be perverted of the righteous man because of a gift. So we have to be careful when we think that we have something that would make us feel better. It's going to pervert. These perverts are coming in trying to pervert the grace of God. And now the first time it's mentioned in the New Testament, Acts chapter 13 Now, see, fellas, when you do something wrong, you want to bring your wife a gift because you're trying to pervert her judgment about you and make her think good thoughts about you again. <laughs> so, all right, so gifts rightly placed serve a purpose, but I think you got the point. 
Acts 13, verse number 10. Well, let's back up at verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? You got this sorcerer comes in. Wanting to deal with all this kind of sorcery junk. God says in the New Testament, the first time it's mentioned, you're a child of the devil. People just get tricked. So it's just neat to see where the first time this word's used in the Old and the New. Paul, what is he doing? Dealing with troublemakers. People perverting the minds of his converts. So we think about this right now. Does this bother you as much as it's bothering Paul? I mean, I got to think about that. Because I got other things that go through my mind and occupy the space constraints in my head. But what we say in the Lord's Supper, what's the only thing that really binds Christians together? It's the gospel, it's what Christ did on the cross. We should be very, very concerned that people know the gospel. That's why when we knock on a door, or we pass out a track, or we sit, run into somebody at the parking lot, we don't want to talk to them about things that don't matter for their eternal soul and salvation. we got to get to the point. How do you know for sure you're going to be, get with God when you die? We want, to know they, we want to know that they understand God's grace is freely offered to them. That's the most important thing. Not come to our church. Don't start with come to our church. <laughs> Believe me, I want people at our church. But don't start with come to our church. What if he gets hit by a car on the way out of the parking lot and dies? We didn't come to church. Well, he didn't go to heaven either because you failed to give him the gospel. We have souls that are at stake. Not membership roles. God's plan, it's not going to matter a hill of beans to God if this place is full or not full. God's plans keep going on. None of us are that special. All right? We've got to make sure we are gospel witnesses first. All right. We don't... Uh, we don't deal with open opposition in the church a lot of times. I haven't dealt with much problems church-wise because I'm new. But I'm sure it will come. It's not typically open opposition. It's subtle because that's how deception works. And an evil diabolical enemy is a lot easier to identify than someone that is sweet and subtle and deceptive in nature. This is why Satan disguises himself as he does. You know, the married man that has a Christian family... It's never some weather-beaten, drug-addicted, nasty-looking, hair-ratted-up, ratty-closed woman on the street that gets him to <laughs> spend the night with them. It's some gal who has thought about trying to look good, dress good, smell good, act good, blink her eyes good, and all that that gets him off course. The nasty, evil stuff's easy to identify. It's this other stuff that's not. 
It's subtle subjections, suggestions where people import their philosophy into the gospel. And it does the most harm to young converts. Now, let's notice the blame in Galatians. Part of the blame Paul puts on the Galatians, but most of the blame he puts on others. Galatians chapter 1, look at verse number 8. He says, um, okay, so he says, preach unto you, let him be accursed. Uh, or I'm sorry, he says, would pervert the gospel of Christ, verse 7. And now look at this. But though we, he includes himself, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So what we said then and what we say, what I'm saying now is that Paul does put the blame on them. Look, you guys are so soon removed. Come on. But then he goes on to put most of the blame on those guys that are making trouble. We just have to be careful that we don't let subtly subtly sneak in but when we read verses 8 and 9 look at this strong medicine look how strong paul rebukes them this is the only epistle there's no thanking god i thank god for you all it comes out as a sharp rebuke paul's pretty serious let him be accursed he says it twice look at that accursed that means doomed to destruction what you are doing is detestable before God. It's wicked and it should be banned. And it's pretty bad if I reject the Gospel and it's pretty bad if you reject the Gospel. You know what Paul's saying here in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? You know what God's trying to tell us? It's worse if you try to convince others and you deceive others, and you pervert the minds of others, and you cause trouble with others to fall from the gospel of the grace of Christ. Other people are involved in this. Paul's letting them have it. You guys blew it. I can't think of anything worse to be said. Fighting against God is just really an insane act of spiritual suicide. You're just not going to win. No matter how well you think you got the game plan down, you can't win. You always lose when man fights against God. Paul says, as good of a man as Paul is, look at the humility in verse 8. He doesn't say, but though you. You see you guys? Yeah, it's all you guys. You see you guys? If you preach another gospel, he doesn't say that. But though we, Paul includes himself as great of a man for God he is at this point in his life. But though we, he recognizes it's not about him. Paul knows he's not that special. <laughs> Fellas, if I bring in another gospel, don't listen to me. He is not above this thing. He's in it with them. Nobody is above the gospel. Now, I appreciate that about Paul because he's given him a sharp rebuke. But at the same time, he's saying, look, though we, 
or an angel from heaven. Angels are spirit beings. They have power. They have more power than you and I. They have authority. But they don't have authority over the Gospel because nobody does. Paul, me, you, anybody, or even spirit beings. If it's not enough, he repeats himself and he says it again in verse number 9. He wants us to get that the Gospel is absolute. We're not going to mess with the Gospel. And what's our commission? To go out and preach the Gospel. And it's by grace. Alright, so three things. There's only one true Gospel. Whatever humanistic method that man comes up with, he will distort that Gospel. And it doesn't matter if it's circumcision. It doesn't matter if it's law-keeping. It doesn't matter if it's Church of Christ, water baptism, or whatever other group that believes in water baptism. It doesn't matter if it's Romanism. You keep these sacraments. Just fill in the blank. It doesn't mean if it... Well, I'm Baptist. Well, good for you. That's great. Did you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? Well, I've been going to a Baptist church and been a member there and my daddy's been a preacher. Wonderful. You're accursed because that's another gospel because church membership isn't going to save anybody. Well, I'm against Rome. Well, great. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? It doesn't matter the denomination or the demonation or whatever you want to call it. What matters is Have you trusted in the grace of Christ? That's the Gospel. Now, one thing, I'll teach you a long word and you don't have to spend 10 grand to go to Bible seminary for it either. Latitudinarianism. Say that five times. Latitudinarianism, we see that today just not using that long word. But it basically was human reasoning held the same merit that Bible truth does. We see this on college campuses all across the United States now because 20-year-olds that don't have a job and have $100,000 of their parents' debt, not their own debt, have all the answers to life. Not all of them, but a, a a goodly bit of them. Because freedom of opinion matters. And it does. We're in America. You have freedom to think And have whatever opinion you want. But if my opinion goes against what God's Word says, me and God aren't on equal playing ground. You and God are not on equal playing ground. We and God are not on equal playing ground. This is not latitudinarianism. It's not I bring my human thinking and my human thought, my human philosophy, and all of that has equal merit because we all should have an opinion. Well, you're wrong and I'm wrong if I think that like that. Our opinions should be formed around the Bible. We have to go to the Bible and allow the Bible to change our opinions and transform our mind. But we have highly intelligent people turning into absolute infidels because they're bringing their intellect and their highly educated mind and they're putting it on the same merit with God. And those of us that aren't really that smart, 
which is me, <laughs> we have half-hearted opinions that change from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. Do you have opinions that you held back in 2010 that you no longer hold now in 2020? <laughs> I'm telling you, 10 years ago, I thought a lot different than I did today. 20 years ago, I thought a lot different than I do today. You're not the same person you were 10 years ago. You're not the same person you were 20 years ago. Either am I. Our opinions change. We don't put it on equal playing ground with God's Word. Now, how do you take a building down? One way is we go downtown and we start at the top brick. And we start unlayering all the bricks from the top to the bottom. Now, that would take some time. A much quicker way would to just take out the foundation and, and that'll just implode the whole thing. It won't stand on a foundation. And Paul's dealing with these guys taking out the foundation. The foundation of our faith and our Christianity is salvation by grace. Now, when I do this, that means I'm done one page. We have one more page of notes. Okay? talking to my pastor this week he said you know what we were talking about people and coming and going and conferences and events and all these things and people want the music <laughs> i mean even good music even good music you know it, but they don't they don't want to come and hear a preacher they don't want to hear somebody talk but they'll come for music so tom we gotta we gotta get you some a drum set or something I'm only, I'm only kidding. We're going to stick with good music, but we're all awake. We're doing good. You ready for one more verse? Half a verse, because we'll get into this next Sunday. But verse number 10, let's look at Paul's personal responsibility. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10, the Bible says, For do I now persuade man or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Who do you think I'm here to persuade, fellas? I'm not seeking to gain favor with man. Who do you think Paul is seeking to please? God. Who should we be seeking to please? I know people don't want to disagree with others. I know people don't like confrontation. I know that. But who are you seeking to please? Now, don't use it as an excuse to be rude to somebody. But honestly, if someone believes they can be saved by circumcision, water baptism, Baptist church membership, good works, don't you feel duty-bound to help steer them to the grace of Christ? We're not here to please men. I'm not here to please men. I am not going to be rude to someone. But if the Bible offends you, good. People don't want to come to church anymore because they don't want to be told what to do from the Bible. And here I am telling people, you don't have to do anything to be saved. You just have to trust in what Christ did for you. And that's what we should be telling people so they can be saved. You don't have to like your boss. Most people don't like their bosses. But who are you seeking to please, man or God? If you're seeking to please God, 
Just politely do what he asks, as long as he's not asking you to do something immoral or break the law. And just be settled with the fact that I'm living my life to try to please God, not to try to please man. And you know what happens? You end up winning favor by default with the right people. And those people you want to be surrounded by anyway. All right, every single man, every single woman needs the gospel. It doesn't matter the intelligence of the smartest man or woman in the world. They could never, ever, ever come up with the saving gospel of grace. But as powerful as this gospel is, it still must be received. God is not going to force His free gift upon you. The same way you don't force someone to take a gift. They freely receive that gift. And as powerful as it is, the power is ineffective in your life and in mine until we receive it as a divine gift from God Almighty. If you've not done that this morning, I urge you to do so. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Would you bow in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank You for the gift of grace. Thank You, Lord, for going to the cross and doing what You did for us. I know it's a simple message of salvation. I know we've heard it before. But we came across it in the Bible and we're going to stop, pause, and park and make sure we understand law-keeping, commandment-keeping, good works, bad works, all that stuff merits nothing for our salvation. We thank You for Your grace. We ask You to help us make that known to this lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.